How's it going with you? Yeah, I forgot to tell you that I am a mountain man now. How long's that been? What was that? How long has it been? How long you been growing it out? I don't know. It's, it's been a little while. Uh, maybe a couple months. Yeah. I just tell people it was no shave November, but I wish not even close. It was like three months or something, but so it changes your life having a beard. It's like you have to like you you start nodding to people that have beards on the street, you know. So you, I will say I uh, I just got to this length where. I can kind of uh, do a little twirl. So mm-hmm. yeah, now I can just nod to you Frenchmen. And- <laughs> Have you tried any of those um, like creams or waxes that you can like wax the mustache and form it? <laughs> I haven't done, I haven't waxed the mustache like that. It's actually not, I mean, it kind of, it's just got like probably this long, but I do use, Jesse got me like a nice beard kit a little while ago that I use, um, it's got like beard oil, but my beard is not really dry. So I don't use that very much. It's got beard wax whenever I like trying to look good. I'll kind of wax it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Special occasions and stuff. Evenings with Jesse and stuff like that. So I actually um, used beard growth oil one time. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my first summer doing summer sales in San Diego, I was like, I'm going to be whoa amazon just dropped a package off or something um i uh, i was like i'm gonna be doing the same thing every day i have the exact same routine i might as well just try some beard oil you know like just add that into the routine so i did and i put it like right here um and it worked it like totally worked that's kind of wild yeah i mean did you use one of the roller things or was it like it was like a little dip um dude how is little baby jay he's doing good he uh it's weird he's got like a little boy face now you know like he doesn't he's like has like little expressions and he's um you know like he every day it seems like he learns like a little new trick like yesterday he started doing this he like (laughs) and like when when you see someone else's baby do anything like that it's like it just doesn't even matter like whatever i can do that since i was a kid that's not impressive (laughs) <laughs> but when it's your own baby you realize that they couldn't do that before and so it, it's always cool because like oh that's new like we've never every seen little, this before this is unprecedented <laughs> yeah every little step is a big step yeah it's fun and yeah he's uh, he's got those two bottom teeth he's just kind of like starting he, to know his voice so he's like wailing and gabbering you know? a little thicker i noticed thicker yeah like his face a little bit more rounder it's not oh, quite yeah. you know yeah, he's starting to get little chubby thighs and like yeah, looking like little... a baby boy. Yeah. How's uh how's baby girl? Man, dude, it's crazy. Wait, we're having a boy too. Right. It's just you're my talking... brother is having a baby the same month as you guys. No, you're good. I just thought you had a I always mix those up. I thought you just called Jesse baby girl, like that was your nickname for her, but I wasn't sure. So <laughs> yeah, I usually just call my coworkers baby girl. Yeah, how's how's baby girl hanging? No, baby boy. I my brothers actually do the like a week before you guys, and they're having a girl, and I like always say that to him, like, "Hey, how's baby boy?" And I mix you guys up. In February, he's due. I think end of January. End of January. Cool. Yeah. So he's a little bit before us. Yeah, they're like the 29th of January. Yeah, I don't actually remember the due date, but it is in February, so we're close then. Yeah, it's and just the. Uh, 
to be honest, it's been like kind of a miracle pregnancy as far as uh, comparatively, because obviously it has its own challenges and, you know, she's got a baby growing inside of her. But as far as the things that you hear, uh, you know, like sick, throwing up all the time, doing this, doing that, my body's doing all these crazy stuff. Like it's been relatively a, a really good pregnancy. Just the other day, she was like, you know what? I've been way good to you during this pregnancy. I haven't even like had any weird cravings. I haven't had you know any weird mood swings. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's true. You've been really awesome. So she's a rock star, Jesse. Well, you guys are in the final uh, stretch. It, it can still get worse. You know? I know, dude. You need to suggest to me what I need to like read or do to prepare. Cause pretty sure this baby's just planning on popping out and I'm just going to wing it if I don't figure out what to do. Yeah. Make sure that you've got like plenty of chalk. You can get like Olympic lifting chalk, you know, so that <laughs> when the baby comes out, you want an athletic stance no two slipping. or three feet away. Yeah. No slipping. Yeah. That's smart. Okay. Well, it's funny. Bend in the knees. The, so as far as preparation, what we did we went to a class like a, a pregnancy a birth and pregnancy class and we went for like five weeks or something and um it ended because of covid so we couldn't keep coming and it's funny because everything they talked about none of it related to our pregnancy because our pregnancy so like for example the main topics were like um how to know when to go to the hospital but we had an induction, so we didn't have to know when, like it was scheduled. Yep. <laughs> and then it was like, um, that was like the number one thing. Number two thing, really the only other thing that we really talked about was like, when you're going through the actual pregnancy, like here's some breathing techniques and like, here's some like to avoid the pain and to like feel better about all that. Uh, and we didn't have that because she had a C-section. So like... <laughs> I just, all that knowledge went right over my head. I'm like, sweet. We'll just have a C-section every time. I don't even need this class. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, how was Maddie's recovery with the C-section? Did she have a bad recovery or was she okay? So Maddie, so she didn't have a bad recovery, I think, in comparison to most C-sections. The problem was she pushed for like two days. Um and so she still had like vaginal recovery, but then ended up having a C-section. So she kind of had like double the recovery. Because if you just have like a scheduled C-section, then you don't go through any of the birthing process. You right. have just the C-section recovery, but she did go through the birthing process. So, but I think all things considered pretty good recovery. Yeah, I mean, she was up and walking the same day that she had the C-section, which is like pretty rare. We left a day early, which is, pretty rare um and i don't know if jess is like this i have a feeling maybe she is but maddie did this annoying thing where she had like the wonder woman complex like she did like you know olympic lifting and she's she always has kind of like this chip on her shoulder of like oh i can do that i can do that i can lift that whatever and so throughout the whole pregnancy she was just like trying to lift stuff and trying to like carry all the groceries in by herself and like do that stuff she'd normally do. Yeah. I'm like, dude, there's like a baby in there. You have to be more <laughs> careful. You know? And I think her recovery was like that too. She just, we had to like sit down like Maddie, I know you can lift this, but think about your future kids. You got scar tissue and yeah. Yeah. So. That's kind of a hard thing to do is keep the long, you know, in life. It's a hard thing to do to keep the 
the long run in perspective versus just you know what's going on now oh yeah i i really struggle with that um in the gym because that <laughs> and like i think the 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 classic example is like maxing out every day like um, that's obviously bad for in the long run. Uh, I don't do that, but I've caught myself, you know, like, like you want to be intense. You're like, well, I want to be like big and buff and I want it now. Um, and like, I feel like if you have too much of the one, like one more rep, like push myself past my limits, like recoveries for babies, you know, like all those types yeah. of things, you end up kind of screwing yourself up in the long run. You got shoulder issues and joint issues you know yeah. lots of motivation issues too if you go too hard and like bust yourself up too bad and then the next day you kind of you know, don't want to do it again because you're all hurting and stuff like that so i feel like that's the secret to becoming an elite human being is being able to like keep in mind the long run because basically everything we do that's either lazy or bad or whatever is because we're just thinking about the now Right. Like if you're slacking off at your job, it's because you're like, well, I'm tired or I just want to sleep in or I'm doing this. But if you could keep the long run in, then you would be able to say, you know what? No, I need to get up 30 minutes earlier and I need to prepare for this or I need to do this. And same thing with the gym and the diet. It's like, well, I really want this cookie now versus, you know, if I could keep the long run in mind. It's like the secret to being an elite human, I feel like. I totally agree. I feel like, I mean, there's, I was listening to this thing one time that said like the main difference between a rational uh, organism and an irrational organism. So like a human being and a deer is that human beings can, uh, can sacrifice their present self for their future self and irrational organisms can't do that because it's all instinct. Yeah. And, and so like, sometimes humans can do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. And sometimes we act too much like deer, but like deer. I always like to think about it this way, like, you know, like P90X. Of course. Oh, it's like, a, what? Abra per X, baby. Yeah. And it's like, hey, 90 days, we can make you ripped. And I don't know enough about it to know if that's actually true. Like, I've never actually used the program, but I always used to think like, dang, if that's really true, what was I doing 90 days ago? If I would have just started then, like, I'd be ripped today. Like, yeah. why did past read have to be so selfish so that Late. present read couldn't be ripped? And then I'm like, well, I could start it today. And then, in, you know, 90 days. But you always kind of choose your present guy instead of future guy. And that sucks. That's really interesting, though. Think backwards like that. Like, what was I doing 90 days ago? And I, the majority of the time, it's like, oh, that feels like that was yesterday. Like, that time would have flown by if I just committed. Yeah. And the longer the time is, the harder it is. You know, if it's like... Yeah. well this thing's gonna take 10 years like well 10 years ago i was only 16 like so many things could happen but there's things like you can do a cleanse in five days and lose weight or whatever you know you can read a book in a week it's like oh if only past read would have made the decision to read that for current sure. read would have that knowledge dang it yeah yeah for sure I'm telling you it's the secret to being an elite human being I just started a book today called Atomic Habits. Have you read that one? Um, no, but I've heard that one. I feel like that's on most heard of that one. I feel like that's on most people's lists of like must reads. Yeah, it, uh, that's what I've got. I've seen it like on so many lists. 
And I kind of just keep putting it off because I'm like, well, I'm sure I know what it's about. You know, just like have good habits. It's that easy. Um, but I started it today because I was finally like, you know what? I'll just do it. And uh, I'm like a couple chapters in and it is interesting. Like it's, it's kind of, a, I don't know the right word, like exposing when you know exactly what you're supposed to do to accomplish something because then you're like, for example, on Atomic Habits, it's talking about like, hey, do like this little habit. And then obviously like over time, you'll get the skill or whatever. And when you actually know that, it's almost worse because you can't, you can't have the excuse anymore. You know, like, yeah. dang it. I can't cling to the idea that I'm not special or I'm not talented or I'm not this or that. that that's the reason why I'm not successful. When in yeah. reality, the reason is just, you're just not doing the little habits freak now i actually have to do something because i don't have that excuse anymore yeah and little changes can make big um you've read jordan peterson's book right yeah actually that's where i heard the irrational rational organism thing was from jordan oh. peterson yeah did you like it yeah i loved it have you read it um no i just purchased it so i'm about to start reading it um i uh have been listening to this comedian recently do you know who theo vaughn is Oh, dude, I love Theo Vaughn. Ah, uh, how are we not talking about Theo Vaughn yet? Okay, I've been like, and I found him not too long ago. Um, and I actually listened to his stand-up like forever ago. Mm -hmm. And I found his podcast where he's just being himself, just going off the cuff. I feel like he's like just as funny or funnier when he's just kind of talking and chatting. Dude, he's um, hilarious. Man, he's probably my number one favorite. And I listen to a lot of stand-up and a lot of comedians. And he's probably my number one right now. Him and Chris, DeSte or Chris DiStefano. Have you heard of him? That sounds super familiar. Let me look that up. Guy, he's really funny. But anyways, I just listened to him and Jordan Peterson's podcast. So he had Jordan Peterson on his podcast. Mm -hmm. he Have you heard of that one? I haven't. Dude, it's a good one. And I had never heard Jordan Peterson like that because Theo Vaughn kind of breaks him down and he like makes him laugh. And then by the end of it, they're just like laughing with each other. And I had never heard Jordan Peterson that like casual and, and chuckling. And, but it was really, I was really impressed actually with uh, Theo Vaughn's interviewing skills. I think Theo Vaughn is so funny. Um, he's like, he just feels like that cousin, you know, like that funny cousin at the barbecue that's just making everyone laugh. He's got a mullet. <laughs> yeah. And like some of his experiences, I feel like are just so money in this. Like, it's funny. I love him talking about the South because I grew up in Texas and just like really relatable. And, and yeah, he's, he's way funny. Have you seen the one of him? I'm going to butcher it. Um, but he's talking about uh, Rosie O'Donnell you heard that uh, i don't think so it was the first thing that i heard from him and it's like what got me hooked it was like an instagram clip and i like it's like my go-to like when i was knocking doors and you get like a way hard uh rejection and you just like need something to make you laugh to get your vibe going for the next door i would always just go to this clip and watch it because i thought it was so funny and he's like basically he's talking about like haircuts and he's like yeah, like my, you know, my mullet, like people love it. It's like a, it's a good haircut for a male, but you know, like a lot of haircuts, they just don't work. Like look at Rosie O'Donnell. That is not a great haircut for that male. And just like rips into her. And like, I can't describe why it's so funny, but he just like, 
he doesn't ever let you know that he's even joking yeah it's like delivery is so money you're just like what is this guy talking about he's like a freaking dice roll shaker of like one-liners you don't know what's gonna come out it's just coming out constantly like hilarious stuff i'm telling you like i almost enjoy his podcast where he's just going off and like just kind of chatting more than like his stand-up yeah and he's a funny dude have you ever been to like a uh open mic for stand-up um i have yeah i went to a couple in texas when i was like 16 yeah that was pretty fun yeah but i i mean not really and they, they talk about that world and i feel like it's a world that not a lot of people know exists mm-hmm. that comedians because the majority of people is see like maybe one or two comedians they see like kevin hart right they watch his netflix special and they see you know maybe another guy and it's their stand-up special and you think it's just funny and i remember as a kid thinking like you know this was a little bit irrational thought but kind of like oh this must be the first time he's telling these jokes like, yeah he's so funny and then you listen to joe rogan or someone that is a, a comic and they go and they talk about how they will go to three or four open mics a night and they'll do that for like months. And then they start mm-hmm. performing at comedy clubs. Then they start performing at like a show and then they go to these theaters. And then after performing at a theater for six months, then they record their special. <laughs> and it's just kind of this world I like didn't realize existed, like the almost the underground comics. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say too. It's so interesting. My brother uh, went and did open mic one time he's not even a comedian but he's like whatever like i'll just go try so he like wrote a little set and went and did it and he was telling me about it um and he was saying like he was talking about the world and like how competitive competitive it is and how people are like stealing each other's jokes and you know um like the whole culture it's very interesting and one thing i thought was interesting at the comedy show it was like it's so weird and no one can really put their finger on it, but like how some people can say the exact same thing and it's funny or charming or like, like it makes you like them. And then some other people say the same thing and you don't like them. Yeah. And I wonder what that is about Theo Vaughn. Like he just like, you just love him. You hear him talking like, wow, what is this guy's deal? Yeah. Like this uh, Jordan Peterson one, he was talking about, he's like, man, you're like a, a cool stepdad that comes around but actually cares about my mom (laughs) i was laughing for like two minutes straight just chuckling to myself and it they just come out and you have no idea where it comes from and like it like you were saying some people would say it wouldn't be funny at all but he says stuff and i'm just dying man he's like yeah man like when i get high i just start trying on vests i don't know what it is man i just like I just put on like I've got 10, 15 vests on, man. I'm just like high as a kite. What? He's talking about like white privilege. You've heard that bit probably. Oh yeah. Why would I do this to you and then move right next door? He's like, there's that guy, there was this guy in my neighborhood who was he was so poor. He what is it? Like he never learned to to walk. Oh, and he just like he just scooting around his whole life because his parents couldn't afford to teach him to walk. <laughs> yeah, he's funny, and he's good. And I like I said, I love his stories about like the South, just because it's feels like it's relatable. Dude, how's your Airbnb going? It's going awesome. You had a couple. Of people there, really right? liked it. Yeah, it's 
Um, so we've been doing it since beginning of October. So two months. Um, first month, we basically had like a, like a buy month because we had a friend stay. Um, and so like, we weren't really, you know, like doing the actual business because like he was there the whole time. So we didn't have inquiries and stuff like that. Right. So the first month was fun and they were good, good guests. Like it's super easy. I'm like, Oh, this is sweet. Um, and then they left and we started in November and like, it's been crazy. Like we've gotten tons of inquiries. We've been booked like 85% of the days and like we're figuring out like little things every, every day. And I mean, there's, there's pros and cons. I've never rented out a place and you rent, right? You have a rental. Yes. I, I feel like, so an Airbnb to my understanding is like more lucrative because like people pay a premium for short term, but I don't know, like you think about like the pros and cons, cause with a rental, you don't have to clean it. You know, you don't have to like, um, you know, it seems like it's more, it. more lucrative, but it's also more work. Exactly. It's like a job. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a rental is like more of a passive investment and everything. And kind of that medium step, you got like your day job, long-term rental. And then there's like the Airbnb where it's medium, medium, passive. Yeah. <laughs> passive income. So it's been good though. I mean, it's an interesting investment because like we had to improve the basement. We did like tons of construction just to be able to make it into an Airbnb, which is cool because we like invest in something that'll immediately start paying us, which yeah. is kind of fun. Yeah. Like if you're going just for value added to the home or like appreciation of your home. So you go and remodel the whole, you know, basement with the hopes of selling it, you know, in 20 years, that's still a good investment. It takes you 20,000 to redo the basement and you sell it for 50,000 more because of it. Yeah. It's a good investment, but it's cool to be able to do that and then have it start paying you, you know, like right off the bat. It's, um, it's it's kind of like what you guys are doing with how's your basement going? Yeah, well, the, actually, this is something I thought we could talk about. That's I think really cool is we're kind of doing the exact same thing. I realized you you guys and us. Well, we uh, basically got the idea from you. So, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but you're doing the Airbnb. We're planning on making a long term rental. Um, but you know, I feel like as soon as you get into the, like the world of real estate investing whether that's like you read your first book or you listen to your first podcast or what it seems like immediately the idea is like get a duplex right whether you live in one half or you rent out both halves either way it, it always seems like it's like multifamily. get a duplex uh that's like the the first step i feel like mm-hmm. so then it you know and i feel like we all kind of went on this journey people that are into real estate investing and where it's like, okay, I'm going to go buy a duplex. And so you start looking at duplexes and just right now, the current time, like Utah, I know is this way. I don't know about Arizona. Um, and there's other places where it works, but especially in Utah where I'm talking to people about real estate investing, duplexes are just so overpriced and the market in general is really overpriced that it's hard to get a duplex that works with your numbers. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do that for one reason or another. And just like I said, the, the market is super high right now and it's super good um, as far as selling goes, not as far as buying. And so the way that I'm convinced to get around this is exactly what you did and exactly kind of what we're doing is buying a single family 
home and then turning it into a multi-unit, mm-hmm. whether you Airbnb it or whether you not do it. So, you know, we paid, um, we paid to get into like a little bit of numbers. We paid like $330,000 for this house. And we just had it appraised um, with the unit downstairs um, finished and it went up like $80,000 in, in value. Right. And so it's just Ooh. crazy. The difference between a single single family unit and a, a multi-unit is just so astronomical, but you can find single family homes that you can turn in to multi-units. So I know the same thing you guys went through this exact same process. You kind of look for a separate entrance and a, an area to divide it and maybe an area to add a kitchen if you need to or things like that. So that's what we were looking for when we, and we will, the next time we, you know, get in the market for another property, which will maybe be in like six months or so, I'm thinking, you know, we're going to look for a single family home that is able to be converted into a, a duplex. And dude, I'm convinced that's the way in this market and like this kind of a, uh, high climate i'm convinced that that's really one of the best ways to to get into multi-family units well i totally agree because um you you like it's a good way to get your foot in the door to to house hack in general um because you take a lot of the risk out because if you it'll say it's our first right if we just bought a house and then we're like okay let's go get our first rental property or let's say we lived in an apartment like let's get our first rental property somewhere we didn't live um there's a lot more risk because all of a sudden like you put cash into it you put time into it you're waiting for your first people to come in and you're still paying where you live and so like for us oh the netflix just started playing i don't know if you can hear that um for us it took a lot of the risk out because it's like well either way we need somewhere to live yeah so we should live here uh, and then we can turn it over time into an investment, have it start paying us. I completely agree with you. Yeah, which is exactly what we're doing. Just kind of like piecing at it slow and steady. Um, we just had someone give us a quote to like finish it up. Mm-hmm. And we were originally planning on renting it for 1200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what are you guys going to charge for down here? 1600 1800 And I was like, oh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> possibly. I feel so, like you could do it. It's a big space. Yeah, well, it's a big space and just like the natural, you know, uh, rate that rentals and housing goes up is, you know, we bought this house almost a year ago, coming up on a year. And so it's like, you got to take that into account when we first did our numbers is 1200. And so we're, we're freaking pumped. We just got to finish this. It's kind of been a drag on us, but uh, we're really excited to get this finished and then kind of get it rented. We think possible that well we will have the option for jesse to stop working after we have that rented um i don't know what she wants to do i think she wants to keep working but you know it's kind of cool to have that option all right do me one sec yeah Yeah, i feel like uh, sorry about that um yeah, I look at your guys' situation and I think it is so cool for so many reasons, like what you just said. One, the biggest one, we're basically getting paid to improve our own property, yeah. right? So it's like, even if even if nothing else happened, now you came in with an unfinished basement, now you have a finished basement. 
like and you're going to be paid by renters to have this massive investment like to to the value of your home the second thing is obviously the cash cash flow but like the area you guys are in is going to appreciate regardless of if you would have improved the house and yeah. so not only is the value of the house going to go up but then the rental income is going to go up like eagle mountain is exploding you know like there's tons of activity there and tons of people moving out there in schools like that that's a sweet investment in my opinion yeah and we like they're throwing neighborhoods up out here man like i swear every time we drive down we're like there's like seven more houses over there you know and just kind of so it, it really is growing we're super happy with it it still feels like every time we have to go anywhere it feels like a 45 minute drive but that's you know give it to yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing like with the, the market being so high, it kind of took me like a, a while to really internalize this because when I first saw our first property, which is our little condo in Provo, I don't know if you remember that, that but we, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really cash flow. It may be cash flow is like $90, um, something really small like that. Mm -hmm. And when you first get into real estate and kind of like are excited about it, you're always, I, I was always thinking about the cash flow, right? Like, oh, we're going to be able to quit our jobs and have this cash flow in it and things like that. Um, and I think, especially in Utah, where it's just a really hot market, it's hard to find really good cash flowing properties. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I like this, this, um, you know, find a single family home, turn it into a, a multi unit. Because once we move out of here and we're renting both, we're going to be cash flowing almost $1,000 with this one property. So it'll be, you know, fantastic as far as that goes. But back to the Provo condo, we're, we're basically breaking even, maybe cash flowing a tiny bit here and there. Um, but the thing that it's kind of like hard to internalize, but you have to remember is the equity that's building in it. I mean, you basically, what I've started to do is, is you think of it as like, a little bank account that someone else every single month is just putting money into mm -hmm. and it's your money. You know, when I sell that condo, we're going to be able to take that money and do something else with it. Um, but yeah, I think just right now, like in the, how hot the market is, that's kind of a play that you have to maybe even have to do is just do the equity play and think about, okay, well we can rent this, we'll break even, or even we have to pay a hundred dollars on the mortgage, whatever it is. But over time, you know, over the next 10 years, if we have renters in there the whole time, we're going to have this bank account with, you know, this much saved up that we'll be able to sell the house and do whatever we want with. So, well, and can't you do, what is it called? HELOC home equity line of credit. Yeah, you can. There's lots of options to take it out and keep the property. Um, yeah. So there's lots of options like that. What I think we'll do, cause we don't love that condo. It's like a little old, um, you know, we've had some different expenses, some, some things like that. We had to replace a couple of things. We don't like the HOA very much. Um, I think we'll sell it, but transfer it directly to another property, mm -hmm. which if you do that, and I don't remember what this is called in the tax code, but you don't have to pay any taxes on those mm -hmm. capitals. You can just transfer it directly over into another property. So we'll, we'll probably switch it out for literally like another condo or another, maybe a nicer townhome or something like that, that we like a little bit better. What's but, cool is that your mortgage doesn't go up, but rental yeah. uh, income goes up over time. So like yeah. the, the you pay, you know, your expenses don't really increase. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's expenses aside from your mortgage that increase. 
Um, but once you buy a home, you're like locked into that, especially if you're going to buy one right now. I mean, the interest rates are crazy low right now. It's insane. Yeah. We, uh, we're probably going to refinance. I just saw this like TikTok, this little meme video that was, um, why 30 year mortgages are better than 15 year mortgages. Mm -hmm. I feel like if pretty much how everyone, it seems like was raised, was kind of on Dave Ramsey's sort of train of thought, right? Like Mm -hmm. save money, don't get into debt at all, blah, blah, blah. Some people need that. Um, but their argument was inflation. Um, and they kind of had the math laid out real quick and I don't remember it, but basically that you're still paying, you know, like, let's say if someone's, um, finishing up their 30 year mortgage right now, what was the worth of the dollar 30 years ago, you know, and kind of the, the inflate, the math behind that. And that, that was really interesting. I'd actually never thought about that, how, um, you know, we get locked into a set rate right now in 30 years everyone else's mortgages and everyone else getting into a mortgage is going to be way higher and things like that. And we're still going to be paying the same amount of money. Whereas if you were to go on a 15 year, you know, your money would be worth less in, in that second 15, you know, 15 years. So yeah. Interesting. I totally agree. In fact, I thought about this a lot. Um, I think that it's a huge uh, misunderstanding, I guess one to that getting out of debt is always good. And then, you know, like, a, like, your money right now is so much more valuable um, than your future money, right? Because money is always going down in value because of inflation. Yeah. So like if you can stretch out your today money as much as you can, then that's always better. And so, for example, with a mortgage, you hear people say, well, you know what? If I pay an extra $100 into my mortgage, um, that'll save me thousands in 30 years which is true. And you would think instinctively, Hey, that must be a good investment. Like, Hey, if I put in a hundred every month, that'll save me 20,000 in 2050. Right. Where the math isn't true is if you were to do something else with that hundred dollars, like even if you just put that hundred dollars in the S and P 500 and then just invested it in stocks in 30 years, it's going to be, probably more than what you could get from your mortgage. So it's like the Dave Ramsey, the, the save money, the, you know, the conservative, don't get in debt, don't have credit cards. Um, it's super valuable, I think, to certain people, but not to investors. I think investors think, where do I get my biggest return? Um, and that's, and where do I have the biggest um, downside? And then they're always leveraging those two things. So I would yeah. say 30 year mortgage every time. I mean, even if you're paying a 15 year mortgage, you're going to pay more a month. Um, and that's today's money. Yeah. You can and use that money for investments today. You know, I, I feel like there'd be a sweet spot because Dave Ramsey is onto something right about not paying interest for debt. Right. Um, but I feel like there's probably a sweet spot considering what you just said and what you talked about. And then, you know, maybe paying it off a little bit early to avoid some interest. Right. But you also want your money to stretch and, you know, inflation and things like that. So it'd be interesting. I'm sure someone's done the calculations, like what is the optimal, how fast to pay off your mortgage to avoid certain debt or certain, you know, uh, yeah. So, well, it's like if you had the money to buy a house in cash, right? Like let's say I'm a multi, I've got $10 million and I'm going to go buy a $300,000 house. Like, Hey, I got no interest. Um, 
and someone comes up to you and says, hey, you can either buy it for 300,000 and you'll pay no interest or you can just have a normal mortgage, 20% down, and then in 30 years, you'll pay it off. And you have the cash and you think, well, why would I wanna pay interest? Well, if you really break it down, like it's not gonna be better in most cases to not have that money right now, even if you could afford it. Like for example, if you pay $300,000 for a house and you have no interest for the next 30 years, whatever, you just own it, you have no mortgage, you could have put $30,000 into 10 houses, you know, and then you'd be paying a little bit of a mortgage on all of them. But now that's something that's building, right? I just, my opinion is always like, if your return is going to be bigger than the interest saved, then you should invest. So like if my return in the stock market is going to be bigger than the interest I save by paying my mortgage off early, I shouldn't put my money towards that. I should put it towards the bigger return. Yeah. And then it also goes back to what I was kind of saying about the equity play, you know, one property, that means you have one person renting and paying you. But if you have 10 properties, that means you basically have 10 separate bank accounts that other people are just putting money into. You know, in 30 years, you'll now have 10 bank accounts instead of, you know, the, the instant cash flow that you'd have with one property. So, yeah, I'm sure people have done all these calculations, you know, like what what is the optimal, you know, buy seven and a half houses and then invest here. And so it's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. What about you, man? Are you guys uh, kind of got your, your real estate bug out of you for a little bit with this Airbnb or are you looking at more properties yet or what's going on? Yeah, I, I mean, as soon as we got it, I was like, as soon as we knew that it was working at, like in a systematic way, like once we stopped improving it and it was just like, Hey, this is it. We're just maintaining it. Um, then my mind started to move on to something else it was like, okay, so what else can I, I need another one, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, we haven't really decided. We've got a couple options. Um, either we could continue living here because we live upstairs. We Airbnb the basement. And then we could just buy another property and Airbnb that or rent it out. Or we could move out of here and rent out this whole place and you know go house hack again. We haven't really decided. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, like house hacking... Um, having someone rent out part of your, your space is, uh, it's vulnerable, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. It's very bizarre. I remember the, the feeling of the first night we had someone come, right. Our first guest, Eddie, um, old Eddie, good old Eddie. And he was from LA. He was Hispanic and he, him and his family were just staying for one night. I think they're on a road trip or something. And we're like, oh my gosh, we have our first guest. Like we got everything set up. We, you know, we gave him the, the code to the door and we're just in our room, just like waiting, right? Like, cause you can hear it, you know, through the wall when someone comes in and it was late at night. And he told us that they got there at like midnight and then they walked in and we can like hear their footsteps and like, oh, like little kids, like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like, where do I put my stuff? And it just became their space. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a scary thing. And we put so much work into it. Like we picked out all the furniture, we painted the walls and then just like, okay, here's my baby. Like, I hope you love it. You yeah. know, uh, um, how, it was weird. Yeah. How many bed and bath is your upstairs where you guys are living right now? Uh, two, 
two bathrooms, two bedrooms, and then like a kitchen and a living room area. So, I mean, you guys could realistically, I'm just thinking of like your family size and I don't know what your plan is for more kids, but, or if there's a plan for more kids, but you guys could realistically stay there for a good amount of time, you know, probably at least one more kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We're thinking, yeah, we're, we're kind of in between um, what we really want to do. We feel like if we were to Airbnb the, the whole thing, that way they'd have access to like the garage and the patio, the upstairs kitchen um, that we could cash flow so much more. And we're like, well, let's just do that and go move. But there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of numbers. I don't know. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of variability, you yeah. know, um, the, the feeling I wanted to touch on right when those people walked in for the very first time, our very first guest in our Airbnb, it was so, so interesting. And, and I'll try and describe it, but I don't know if I'm going to do it justice. Um, like they, people that have podcasts or people that like talk about success or have anything like that, or give advice, uh, they usually talk about like getting out of your comfort zone. And um, like, if it doesn't, if it doesn't scare you, it doesn't stretch you, stuff like that. Um, and I remember feeling specifically the moment I heard them open the door and walk in that feeling of like, Oh, this is, this is positive. But like, I feel like weird. It's like bizarre. Someone's in my house. I could fail. I could succeed. I could be embarrassed. They could steal our TV. <laughs> and I realized that that's kind of like what growth feels like, you know, like it's yeah. a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not negative. You know, it's kind of oh. like when you're a teenager, like you're getting taller, you're getting muscles, but you have acne, you know, and your voice cracks. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. Well, I'll tell you what, I think that that's a good feeling that it's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and I think that people that don't have that feeling is kind of where you see a lot of the wrecks, like they overextend themselves for different things like that. Like I remember the first time that I ever made any sort of investment, we were just putting money into our um, Roth IRA. And it was like, we were buying like an S&P 500, basically like the safest thing you could do with your money mm -hmm. in a, you know, a, an interest-free retirement account, like super safe. And it still felt like, oh, but like the money's leaving our account. And like, we're not really going to be able to see it in our Wells Fargo. And, <laughs> and, I, and I have since thought back to that. And I think it is a good thing that we feel that like a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of fear, mm -hmm. just so that we don't, you know, like good the money's gone like i didn't even notice the money is gone and like i'm just so yeah so. yeah i completely agree and it's not the same as just like pure fear you know it's not like like oh my gosh what am i doing and it's also not the same as like oh this is just the best thing ever it's just like having apple pie yeah. it's like this weird mixture of vulnerability and and fear but also like hey this is for the best um, and, and I remember in that moment being like, oh yeah, this is that emotion that people are always talking about, you know, like yeah. this is getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and then it was totally fine. They're great guests. They clean up after themselves. They left a good review. And, um, in those, those first couple of moments, your mind starts racing through like every possible negative scenario. You know, it's funny that we have that, that, that defense mechanism to yeah. be like, oh, like my first, my first thought was like, oh crap, what have we done? <laughs> like, 
Like they're gonna burn this place to the ground and they're making cocaine in the base now. Sure of it. <laughs> we're gonna wake up tied up, you know, like in the back of some pickup. Yeah. And like your mind does that and it makes sense. That way you don't, like you said, crash and burn. Um, but your mind is so primitive. Your mind is like is keeping you away from saber-toothed tigers still when we yeah. don't live in that world. So it sends you those signals, you know. Well, it's right back to the becoming an elite human being. You got to be able to kind of calm those fears and think about the long run and say, yeah, this is good for us. This is good, you know, to put this money away or to do this investment right now, even though it's kind of scary and I want to react and I want to run like a deer. But what I think is coolest about what you guys did is that you so you made the investment, um, which takes preparation, time, money, all that. But then you actually finished the basement. That's like, that's like a whole different ballgame. Now you have to like start over learning and growing and try, like, what was that like? Yeah, dude, YouTube University, man, is the best. Uh, it was really like, I mean, I, I have a lot of mixed emotions about it. I, I'm glad that we are doing it because we're not done yet, but I'm glad that we are doing it. Um, and... I'm learning the processes of the different things. And then one other thing I'm learning is what we don't want to do in the future. So there's a few nice. steps that I was like super good at and it's super easy. Like framing, it's pretty good at framing. Um, I had all the tools that you need. It's a relatively like basic skill. There's some different uh, harder parts like framing a window and different things like that, but it's relatively basic. Uh, mm -hmm. And then drywall. So I was like pretty good at framing and I could do it and I, I would do that again drywall sucked and it was dusty and I was coughing and I was lifting and my muscles were hurting and it was all these different things and I wasn't very good at it and I had to have someone come fix it for me and different things like that um and so it it was tough there was lots of tough parts and it is tough and it it's now more of a mental game than anything like I just gotta find time to do it and I gotta get down there and I gotta work on this and I gotta work on that but um I will say we're, I'm really glad that we did it because we would like to repeat this process that I talked about with you, single family home, turn it into a multi-unit. Um, and now we know, Hey, I'll frame it piece of cake. Then we need to hire someone for the drywall and mm -hmm. then we can paint it super easy, but we need to hire someone for the, the cabinets, you know, kind of like that. And, um, and then I, I think eventually as I progress my career that, my time is going to be more valuable at my job than it is, um, you know, framing walls and framing my own home. But right now it was perfect for us because we're broke kind of right out of college, sort of that age. And, you know, we don't had, we didn't have a lot of money to spend on, on hiring someone. So it was perfect. And I'm really glad that we're doing it. Uh, and I, I, I honestly would suggest it to people like, don't limit, um, don't limit what you think, you can or can't do. Um, and so, so that's like a perfect example. The majority of people would be like, I don't know how to finish a basement. Like, I don't know how to build a home basically. And I didn't either, but I did know that I, I could figure it out, which is almost a skill by its, itself. Mm -hmm. Being able to use the internet and being able to like find the right resources and things like that. Um, and yeah, and so I, I would like just say that I feel like people limit themselves too much what they can and can't do. Especially nowadays where there's like unlimited knowledge. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you and I have talked about this, but one of my favorite things is, so what, 
you know, I dropped out of college um, and I dropped out <laughs> after like one year, um, two semesters basically. And I started reading, started doing my own stuff, uh, YouTube, different things. And I was, I was still learning a ton, a shiz ton of, of information was coming in and I was progressing and doing these things. And I would look at my buddies that were in college and they were doing their assignments or their university studies but they weren't really progressing as like a human being mm -hmm. as far as learning goes. It's like, yeah, they could tell me how to do this math equation or, you know, what they learned in their art studies class, but nothing they were learning was translating over where I just skipped to, I'm learning how to, to frame walls and I'm learning how to, to be financially responsible and I'm reading Dave Ramsey and I'm doing all these different things. So it was like, they almost let their, their university study get in the way of actually learning information. Yeah, I have seen that so much. And I think a lot of it has just like ownership. Like when, when someone is telling you, you have to learn something, you don't feel like you own that process. It's like, okay, oh. you know, the, what is the thing they always say? The mito, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Powerhouse or whatever. Of the cell yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, when someone is, if someone is shoving information at you, um or you're forced quote unquote to to learn it and we're not really forced but like a lot of school is a means to an end it's i'll take these classes so that i can get a degree so i can get a job but like i didn't just choose to learn i chose to get a job and this is the way to get there uh, i feel like that versus you hey i want this knowledge i'm gonna go get it myself you own that process and you own the knowledge that you get you, like, you have to go out and hunt you know, and yeah, it's just on YouTube, but I've learned so much more on YouTube than I ever yeah. did in college um, because I felt it was on my terms. Like, I want to learn this, yeah. so do this, you know, which it sucks that we're conditioned. What you just said that I want to get a job. So I need a degree. So I need to go to college. It sucks. So I can have sex. Yeah. <laughs> so I can get late. It sucks that we like are uh, at had just been conditioned to have that recipe in our head instead of like, I want to get a job, get laid. I want to get a job. What do I need to do to get this job? Oh, well, I probably need to learn these few skills. And once I have those skills, I could probably learn some of this stuff on the job. And I also need to be a good interviewer because I need to convince them to give me this job and I need to maybe have a little bit of resume. Um, okay, so I'm going to then go learn these skills. I'm going to go find an entry-level job and learn some of these skills on the job. And then, boom, I'm ready to get this job. And if you can interview well and get yourself the job, have enough good referrals, like, I mean, I, I'm living proof of that, that that's like how it works. I'm basically in my dream job right now. And um, I, it's just because I like gained the experience that I needed to, got some good referrals, got some good experience um you know figure out how to interview figure out how to to really convince people that i could do the job um and also actually know how to do the job i wasn't just blindly convincing them but um yeah and so that's that's kind of but man every every one of my friends everyone our age is is in that exact same i want to get a job so i have to get a degree and i have to go to college i think you're exactly right like the conditioning and the the stories and the recipes that people are following to get what they want it's not that they're necessarily wrong but it's that they haven't actually sat and thought about the why you know like yeah, totally 
like with the job thing that you're saying, you know, why, why, why does a person even want that? And usually the answer is, well, they want money, right? They want, they want security or something. And so they're going through all of these things. They're going to college. They're taking, you know, all this time out to do that so that they can get a job so that they can get cash. When, if they would be honest and get off of autopilot and be like, okay, I just want the cash. You know, like somebody told me at some point in my life that I had to follow this recipe to get the cash. Well, are there other ways? You know, well, you could be a real estate investor or you could do summer sales or you could just get a sales job. Or I'm not saying you have to do that, but like a lot of people aren't even thinking why they're in school. They're just like, oh yeah, this is just, uh, I mean, I checked the recipe and uh, finished uh, yeah, high school and then college. And I don't even know what we're baking, but I hope I get there soon, you know? No, you're spot on. And I actually, I'm not like a big college hater, to be honest, but I do hate people that, no, I don't hate people. I do, I do dislike people that are just following the recipe. Like I said, yes. So I have a buddy that's becoming a doctor, right? And so he's got the most school basically. um, And he wants to become a doctor because he wants to become a doctor. His end goal isn't to make money, which I would say the majority, you are correct that that's the majority. So he's like, okay, I want to become a doctor. So I do need a degree so that I can get into a good college school or a good medical school, things like that. But yeah, man, you're so right that there's so many people that they're not like that. They're not, they're still on autopilot and they're still just following the recipe and, and they like haven't even thought through why. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm not a college hater either because I, I mean, I graduated college. I graduated with, uh, bachelor's in business administration whatever that means um and i i think i think it's like anything it's like as long as you're honest about why you're doing it and where it's going to take you if you end up after asking those questions with the conclusion that this is the right path then it's great like it was great for me but like for example if you're if you're buying cars like fancy cars and telling everyone it's an investment, but really it's to look cool, then that's a negative. But if you are telling yourself that you're doing it to look cool, and that's actually why you're doing it, then that's fine. You see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. if you're honest about why you're doing something, like I'm going to college because I want to be a doctor and I really do, then go to college. But if you're like, I'm not sure why, I'm, I'm going to college to meet hot babes. It's like, as long as you're honest, fine, go to college. Or even I'm going to college to figure out what I want to do. Yeah. Or I don't know what, yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know what I want to do. And more, more people have told me college than not. So I just defaulted to this because I don't know. That's fine too. But what I don't like is when people's actual motivation and what they tell themselves is their motivation aren't the same, you yeah. know, or they don't know, like they don't ask themselves, like, what do you actually want? Yeah, totally. Dude, I could talk to you all day. I got to go though. Um, this has been super fun, man. We, uh, I want to call you with uh, Jesse and Maddie and totally catch up on, on other stuff, on inside jokes that we can't say on the podcast. <laughs> no, there's no way I'm saying that crap on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, dude. And we, we want to get like a house tour, like a FaceTime house tour of your place, so. You've already seen the best part. We got the Christmas tree right there. Everything <laughs> else is just barren. Oh, I, thought you, I thought you were talking about yourself. You've already seen the best part. So what, <laughs> what are you talking about? This is the whole tour right here. Yeah, what else do you need? Do you have renters in your Airbnb right now? Uh, they just left like an hour Ooh. ago. Okay, perfect time. We'll have to do it maybe like tonight or something. You guys yeah. can show up. 
all the all the ins and outs yeah let's do it for sure let me know we're too broke to come stay in it so we'll just have to get the virtual tour instead yeah it's basically the same virtual <laughs> okay cool good to see you man okay thanks for coming on man appreciate sure. it all right talk to you later